I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Happy 75th anniversary to the nation of Israel. And as Christians, we uh, have a very strong interest uh, in Israel because culturally, uh, that's where our Bible comes from. That's where our Messiah comes from. Jesus was promised to uh, the Israelites. And in Scripture, he says he came first for the Jew and then the Gentile. And us Gentiles celebrate that. But we also value our spiritual heritage. And so we're going to celebrate some of that today. Uh, and you're probably seeing some of the stuff if you watch much, much Christian TV, you know, with the 75th anniversary. And it just It's a good occasion to look back and, and learn some things. I especially like the direction we're going today, which is uh, tracking along the lines of a book called Hope Rising. Looks just like that. Messianic Promise, written by Jeffrey D. Johnson, who's been on the program before, and it's always a good conversation. Because you're, we're, we're talking about the, the old, what we call the Old Testament. Uh, he prefers a different term. I'll let him tell you that. And the New Testament. And, and how they track, because if you're a new Christian especially, uh, you might have cracked open the old, the old Testament and gone, I don't understand what's going on here or why it's relative, relevant to me. But when you understand the relationship between the new and the old uh, and, and the types and the shadows and the, the things that never change and the things that might have changed, it's, it's enlightening. So we're going to have a fun conversation today. Glad you're a part of it. And uh, Dr. Johnson, I'm glad you are here to talk about this. Welcome back to Life Today Live. It is a delight to be with you, Randy. So walk us through a little bit of some of this. Um, I mean, I kind of laid out a little bit of the premise, but I'd like to hear it from you. Uh, what, what are you looking at in Hope Rising? Oh, my goodness. Well, the motivational impetus uh, behind writing this thing is we still live in a world, in this post-pandemic world, there is still a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety um, out there, a lot of anger and confusion, uh, political upheaval, religious upheaval, war, you know, globally, you know, all of this. And um, it's a reminder, and we, we started in the Tanakh, the old, the old uh, Testament, or the first covenant, I'd rather uh, refer to the, you know, the first covenant. And so we start there uh, from the beginning of creation, God blowing into the nostrils of Adam uh, and he became a living soul. And so we talk about the hope that began there. Uh, we are created in his image, which means you and I have significance. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's a reason for all that. So, and then we walk through various uh, stories, the Akita or the uh, the binding of Isaac, we, we go to Psalm 91, uh, we cover all these things uh, within the first covenant, uh, and it all reflects about mercy and hope. Um, and then we cross over to the new covenant, uh, the Brit Atashah in Hebrew, the New Testament, and, and we cross over to the life of Jesus, uh, what he did as a little boy, uh, the transfiguration, we end up, um, what happens when you breathe your last breath? Mm. So from the beginning, from, from the womb to the tomb, as it were, 
uh, from the beginning of creation to eternity. Um, and I, we highlight the messianic hope, which is Jesus. And without Jesus, there is no hope. Uh, and, uh, you know, people that are anxious, I, I, I've received reports regarding this book, which I'm so humbled and thankful. Uh, people uh, have been encouraged by this. Uh, they, they're still experiencing, like I said, great fear, anxiety, and this assures them of God's love for them and, and his mercy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what this book is about. It's interesting that when a lot of Christians, especially new Christians, especially Western, you know, people from a Western kind of culture, Americans, Canadians, you know, whatever. When we pick up and read the Old Testament, we don't get those things. Instead, we can get uh, a picture of God that causes stress and oh. causes worry, right? But Oh, man. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, well, the God of wrath versus the God of love, you know, God of wrath. Well, okay, here's an example. Do you remember when Moses had the chutzpah? It's a very Jewish thing to be bold and argue with God and this and that. And my mother was Jewish, so I I got a little bit of that, you know. (laughs) You know, God, you know, and you argue, Abraham, will not the God of Israel do that which is right? And he always does. But do you remember when Moses, uh, he was on Sinai and he asked the Lord, he says, reveal yourself to me, show me who you are. And, <laughs> and the Lord says, Moses, uh, Moshe, I can't do that. I'll, I'll, he put him up in the cleft of the rock, you know, and then it's written in English that we, he, he sees the backside of the Lord. And of course, God is a spirit. We put anthropomorphic uh, things. You know, hands, feet, face. Mm. And, uh, but then uh, if you read the text in Exodus, uh, God begins to describe his attributes, his, uh, you know, these things, I'm kind, uh, I'm, I'm gentle, I'm, I'm uh, long-suffering. Well, the word uh, long-suffering has to do it's, it's the Hebrew word arech, and it has to do uh, with a long nose. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and the imagery is this, when someone is angry, when someone is angry, the idea is he flares his nostrils. I don't know if you've ever been face to face with someone like that. God told Moses, you wanna see me? I'll tell you who I am. He says, I have a long nose. What does that mean? He says, my nostrils do not flare quickly. Mm-hmm. I am slow to anger, mm-hmm. which is another rendering of that text, which is an excellent rendering. Mm-hmm. And God is answering Moses. Moses said, reveal yourself to me. And he said, Moses, I'm slow to anger. I am merciful. I am kind. I love you. I will help you. And, and, and you cross over to Isaiah, for example. Uh, Isaiah said that, you know, uh, through the prophet, God says, I will reach out my hand and I will take you by the hand and walk with you. He says, do not fear. I will help you. It's that long nose. He's slow to anger. So it, we're not reading about the God of wrath 
in, in the Old Testament, actually mercy is replete all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the creation of man, you became a living soul. I'm, uh, you, I've created you in my image. I got you, is what he's saying. And then Adam and Eve messed up. And then God provided the covering. God, as it were, he killed the first animal. Now imagine that. Let's just go there for a second. Adam named all the animals, you know, Fluffy, Fido, you know, whatever he, he named them. And all of a sudden, uh, Adam and Eve make a choice. Uh, you know, it's like telling your grandkids, make good choices today. Well, they didn't make good choices. And, and you know, there was a result, uh, 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 a consequence of their choices. And then you read that God covered them with this, the skin of this animal. It was more than likely, theologians believe, it was more than likely a lamb to be consistent with the story. Mm-hmm. And now imagine this, Randy. They never saw anything die before. Mm. How horrifying that must have been. There is a cost for sin, and the cost is blood, you know, the blood of the Lamb, uh, for the atonement, the covering, the forgiveness. And that basically the idea is God put the bloodied skin over Adam and Eve to cover them. That's really the first image, and it's a very uh, harsh image mm-hmm. of the penalty for sin. But yet in that act, God was showing mercy and forgiveness uh, to Adam and Eve. And that storyline carried on all the way through the Bible. Yeah. Can I, I'm, I'm, I've always wondered about something, and I want to see if you have any insight on this. And this is not in the notes or anything for the book. But you, there is also a consequence for sin. And Scripture says that that consequence is sin. Even in the Adam and Eve thing, if you eat from this fruit, you will die. And they didn't die physically. Uh, and we go, well, they died spiritually. Okay, I, I get that, but that kind of seems like a little bit of a, okay, well, it was, do you think that the, even today, by the way, and this is where I'm going with this, is that today, you know, we see people living in their sin, and we say that that, that sin will, you know, leads to death, and they're like, what do you mean? I've, I'm doing great, and they outlive some of us, <laughs> you know? Um, is that an expression of God's patience to give them time to come back to repent, do you think? Oh, absolutely, my friend. Again, that's that's God's mercy, isn't mm. it? Mm. And well, and the Scripture speaks to that, where uh, you know the believer following the Lord, and it's it written in the Psalms, where why does the why do the the you know the the wicked survive, yeah, right. and and the righteous not? Well, you know there are mysteries, and and this is not a non-answer, but it actually gives me comfort. There are just some things we don't fully understand. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts and all of that. There are mysteries. You know, I I could say one word and we could say, yeah, this is a mystery. Trinity. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's a mystery. There are some things we may never understand. Why do the wicked thrive seemingly? Uh, and we may not get all of those answers, and this may not be a satisfying answer, but it is uh, an answer. Uh, where the comfort comes from is that God knows what He's doing. <laughs> right, right. And, and and you know, and His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. 
So, you, you know, when God seems silent and far away, he's up to stuff. He's up mm-hmm. to something, you know. And, uh, you know, he's in complete control. So there are, however, some things we can understand better. Uh, yes. and, and that's a lot of what you're talking about. Um, what, do we, what are some of the things you think that, you know, us non-Greek, non-Hebrew speaking, Western-minded, 21st century people uh, maybe don't fully understand that we would benefit from understanding with a greater uh, understanding of the Jewish culture, you know, the Israelites, the Hebrew language, and, and how that fits with the, the New Covenant. What are you going into? Oh, my. Um, well, we can go several directions with yeah, that. Take your pick. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, let, let me say it this way. Okay. Uh, now, you don't have to be a Hebrew or Greek scholar, you know, to uh, understand. There are resources. We, are, we have there's a plethora of resources yeah. that helps, you know, pastors, individuals, uh, Bible students to look up the Greek, the nuance, the Hebrew, the nuance. But if you do not try to understand the Hebrew, it's like reading the words of a song but not hearing the music. <laughs> Which can be humorous at times. Yeah. And and what is the music? Hebrew is the music. Hmm. Words. Uh, as well as Greek is the music uh, of what you're reading. And, you, you know, it just... Uh, different. Okay, the woman, uh, something as simple, uh, profoundly simple as this, the woman reached out, touched the hem of the Lord's garment. Okay, when you look at the reference to the hem. Uh, Why would the woman reach out and do that? What is the hem? In the Western mind, we have an idea, visual, what that is. But in the Jewish mind, in the Hebraic context, you have a prayer shawl. And the prayer shawl is the thing you see people put over their heads and they're praying, you know, the white, beautiful prayer shawl. On the four corners of the prayer shawl, there are fringes. And, and 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 in fact, there's there's uh, uh, when when a when a Jewish person, uh, a male, uh, and today uh, females as well, they have their talits. When they are buried, the fringes are cut. The fringes represent the law. It reminds them of the Bible, the Bible commandments. Hmm. And but there's more to it than that. And I, I'm going to say two things here. Uh, it, Paul addresses that at Romans 7. He says, I speak to those who know the law. He's speaking to Jewish people. He says, you know, as long as you live, you're bound to the law. But in Jesus, in Yeshua, we are free. We are dead to sin. We are free and alive to God. When a Jewish person is buried, the fringes are cut, which represents the teachings, the commandments, the law. Why? Because they are now free from the law. Mm. the but why did the woman reach out? What she did, she grabbed on to one of those fringes of the Lord's prayer shawl. Why? The book of Malachi says that the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings. Those four fringes are also called wings. Wow. And the woman knew this prophecy. She reached out, she grabbed the fringe of his talit, his prayer shawl, and knowing and believing what the prophet said, she was healed. Wow. 
You know, so that kind of nuance, that's the music. If that uh, makes sense. Yeah, uh, no, I, I'm just sitting here because every time I've heard a lot of different explanations of different things from the culture, from the old, the new. And every time I hear, I've not heard that one. Every time I hear something like that, you just go, it's, I've always said the Bible is just like, it's you know, an onion. It's just layers and layers and layers and depth and truth and life and encouragement. And I love this kind of thing. Um, and uh, it, it just, the richness of it. You know, it is like a, a music, I think. Sometimes music, to me at least, it, it'll move me in a way that's almost inexplicable. You know, it's, it, there's something about it that goes beyond words uh, and sounds, and, and there's a movement in that. And I think that the what you're bringing out in Scripture is, is like that, too, because it just, it's moving. You go, wow, that is really, really yes. cool. All right, I, 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 go ahead. Let's realize, you know, that, okay, why, why consider Hebrew? We have a good English translation. Well, yes, yay and amen. Yeah. But learn the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, learn a little bit of the music, and it'll—it's Paul Harvey's "The Rest of the Story," you know that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, and, and I, if you're below forty, you can ask your mom or dad who Paul Harvey is. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in again, I, I don't think it's it's a requirement. You don't have to. Be. To me, it's yeah. it's the beauty almost of it. It's like you can get you can get the message of a song by just reading the lyrics, and you're fine. But if you just want the beauty of it then you need the whole package and i don't know this is this is cool all right uh i'm gonna watch the clock uh this is i'd like to hear more if you if you don't mind before i because i do want to talk about your current ministry today with uh israel today ministries but is is there anything else in the book that you can bring out because i mean there's there's so much you cover the sacrifice the arrival the birth the childhood metamorphosis i mean there's Life after death. I mean, pick one of those and and just give us a little bit of taste because this to me is just fun. Oh well, you do you remember? Okay, let's talk about Abraham and Isaac. Um, can you imagine? Um, and and then the the chapter is called the binding, which is in Hebrew it's akida, and it means the binding, the binding of Isaac. Uh, now you read the story. Uh, now God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, your, and, and it comes out, your only begotten son is basically the emphasis. You take your son and you go to a place, and I'll show you where the place, this mountain, Moriah, and uh, you offer them him there to me. Well, you know this story. He takes a couple of servants with him, and he takes, he has, he has a knife uh, in all of this, and uh, a sacrificial knife. They finally go to the place, and he looks up. He sees the mountain. It's Mount Moriah. It's it just so happens. Let me fast forward that. What, what's where is Mount Moriah? Mount Moriah is where the temple stood. Is today where the Dome of the Rock, the Al Aqsa, mm -hmm. and on Moriah is where Yeshua, where Jesus was crucified. Now uh, we know all the connections of Isaac and the Messiah. We understand that. But what I find fascinating is that, okay, Abraham tells the, the, the servants that went with him, you stay here. I and the lad will go up yonder and we'll worship and we'll come back to you. So they stayed behind 
And Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac was in his 30s. Abraham would have been, you know, 100 or, or so. And and the, the whole process begins. Uh, Abraham takes the knife. And this whole thing is three days, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that the they, you know, you, you said in the morning they started their journey. You know and I know that Abraham did not sleep that night. I mm -hmm. wouldn't. Anyway, so it took whole three days. And for three days in Abraham's mind, his son was dead. Mm. But on the third day, they go to Moriah. He raises the knife. God provides once again the ram, the male lamb. And uh, the rabbis will tell you that's the first time when Abraham took that ram and put it on the altar instead of his son. His son who was dead is now alive. But they say that it was the first time that the shofar, which is the ram's horn, mm -hmm. blown as a praise to the Lord. They say Abraham would have blown that for the first time. They trace it back to that moment. Mm -hmm. But my point here is, you remember the, the, the two uh, servants that went with him? He says, you stay here. You cannot witness this. Okay, you fast forward this 1,500 years or so. Jesus, Yeshua, on Calvary, on Golgotha, he's hanging between heaven and earth. He's saying all these statements, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them, the whole thing. But you remember, it goes dark for about three hours. All those people near the cross, the soldiers, the women, all the witnesses, it went dark. They were not permitted to see mm. that holy moment mm. where he bore our sin. Similarly, the witness or the servants were not allowed to go up the mountain mm. to see this holy thing. Mm. They were kept in the dark. They could not see just as the witnesses at uh, the cross could not see. And so you have all these connects. Three days, Isaac was dead, now he's alive. Abraham took the ram's horn according to tradition, blew it for the first time. The servants could not see. Similarly, there was darkness for three hours and the witnesses could not see that Jesus he who knew no sin became sin. Hmm. Love it. Imputation, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll point people to the book. Uh, Hope Rising is the book, uh, Messianic Promise. And as you, as you can hear a little bit of in the conversation, it's just, it's some cool stuff when you look at the way God works and the way he worked it out and the layers and layers and layers and meanings. And when, you know, you, you can know this, and, and you're good, but when you get the historical background, the context, you get someone walking you through the language that knows it, it's just, you know, it's kind of like the first time, yeah, people are like, you know, he's talking about Ireland. The first time I went to Ireland, you know, I'd, I'd read books, I had watched movies, uh, I thought I knew a lot about it, but it's just not the same until you, you get there and you really, you're in the culture. 
And that's what you help us do is get into the culture. And that is very cool. So, so thank you for that. Uh, I do want to show people one more thing because you know the difference in Scripture between the, the wise man who, who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The, the difference, the hearing and the doing. Mm-hmm. They both heard. Only one of them did. <laughs> and, and that's what I like about uh, what you do. You teach, uh, you speak, you travel. Uh, but also with uh, Israel Today Ministries, you do uh, show people the website real quick. This is it, IsraelTodayMinistries.org. Uh, and you you do the thing. And that's that's the rock. That's the solidity. That's the expression of God, as we say around here, not just in word, but in action. So give us a quick update, if you can, in a few minutes, as to, to the work you're doing today to, to help people with their practical needs. Well, thank you, Randy. The, basically, we do all this stuff to bring an awareness uh, for your listeners and people in churches, wherever it is I, I go and teach. And uh, to bring an awareness, there is in a country of 9 million, the, the nation Israel, 1.1 million out of that 9 million, 1.1 million children are impoverished today in Israel. And out of the about 170,000 or so Holocaust survivors living in Israel, approximately 45 to 50,000, depending on who you read, are also impoverished. That's about one in three. Similarly with the children, about one in three kids are not eating. And Shimon Perez, back in 2015, made a reference to that. He, he says it's a serious indictment against ourselves. He was speaking to Israelis mm-hmm. who are over, you know, uh, 30% of the children impoverished. So what we do, we provide meals uh, for the children. We provide meals for the Holocaust survivors. We also provide educational material, Bible-related educational material for the children. And um, over the last uh, several years, we have, uh, you know, the Lord has blessed and, and we have provided over 200,000 meals for children and Holocaust survivors. And, and that's, that's what we do. And the need is real, it's urgent. Um, you say, well, that's confusing. Uh, is, doesn't Israel export food? Yes. Yeah. Uh, do they have technology? Yes. Uh, they're, they're on the cutting edge of science and technology and health things, you know, medical things. Uh, But the majority of the country is impoverished. All you got to do is Google this. It will shock you, the statistics. It is so expensive. And I always give this example. Here in the States, if if you were to buy a family size box of Cheerios, for example, Mm -hmm. it may cost you $3 here, maybe, maybe five, you know. There would be anywhere from $12 to $15. Can of tuna. Two to three dollars here, maybe a dollar. Uh, there, it's five to six dollars. You know that sort of thing. And so, the it's very, very expensive. No middle class, you either have or have not. Mm. And so we stand in that gap. And you, what you said earlier, and to commend you and to thank you for that, you're absolutely one hundred percent right. James, the half brother of our Lord, his, his name was actually Yaakov or Jacob, but is translated in the English as James. He <laughs> said, uh, "You know, I'll show you my faith by my works." And in Israel, 
It's an absolute truth. You have to earn the right to speak. Mm. And what we have done for well over 20 years with Israel Today Ministries, we have shown up again and again and again, tens of thousands of meals, and they ask why. And we answer their questions. We we have earned the right to speak. Hmm. And that's the, and, and oh, there's a principle there. Here in the West, let me let me uh, just meddle here. You know, here in the West, words come easy. Hmm. You know, we have our incantational prayers and our rote, you know, quotes and attitudes and all of that. But in the Middle East, words, okay, they're important, absolutely. But it's what you do, and if what you do matches your words all the better yeah. but you have to earn that right and yeah. that's a very important biblical principle we have to earn the right to speak it is and and, it, and it's true wherever wherever people are doing work and it's funny because when you know i've seen some things and gone israel i thought i thought they were a wealthy country you know but then you go Look around America. We've got hungry people here. We take care of them too. But wherever God calls you to care for them, whether it's you know us in Africa, you in Israel, or maybe in your neighborhood here in the United States or Canada or something, the response of the wise man, Scripture says, is is to do it. It's to obey. And so wherever you're called to to help, obey. And so if someone's watching you right now, and they're like. I feel like God wants me to support that. Well, just go to their website, IsraelTodayMinistries.org, and you can you can help uh, to reach the hungry uh, with the love of Christ. Uh, if someone calls, you know, if someone's called to help with our mission feeding outreach in Africa, we're there too. There's people. God's got team players all over the world. We're all on the same team. We just need to step up in obedience and do the thing. Earn the right to preach the gospel in a sense, where it's necessary. It does open the ears. It's uh, Peter Pretorius, our missionary in Africa, said to me, it's really hard for someone to hear the gospel when they've got no food in their stomachs. Uh, and, and there's a truth there. So anything you want to add before I let you go? I love the work you do. I love the teaching, the insight, and it's always fun. So I appreciate your time. Anything you want to add before I let you go? My goodness. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, I, I always, uh, after I, I I teach or preach, I always ask people three things. Uh, number one, if you think of us at all, uh, to pray for us. You know. Number two, to Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And as you so wonderfully stated just moments ago, if God touches your heart to help underwrite his help, feed the kids and the survivors. We just ask you to be obedient. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's that profoundly simple and profoundly difficult. <laughs> and uh, listen, uh, Israel's my heartbeat. And as uh, Randy, as you said, uh, may we be reminded uh, the gospel to the Jew first, then also to the Greek and to the Gentile. And uh, we owe a great debt to the Jewish people. And our Bible's Jewish, our Messiah's Jewish. The kingdom is is going to be in Jerusalem. That may shock some folks, but it's going to be in Jerusalem, you know, for a thousand years. And uh, so thank you for your prayers and your encouragement. 
appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, and so anybody, I'll throw it up there one more time. IsraelTodayMinistries.org if you want to do something. Uh, and of course, the new book available now is Hope Rising by Dr. Jeffrey D. Johnson. It'll bless you. Uh, you'll enjoy it. You'll understand a little more, get a little more depth, get a little more music into your understanding of the scriptures. So check that out and come back. We've got more for you here on Life Today Live. If you haven't liked or followed or subscribed, I invite you to do that. And we will see you again next time.